McLaren can get rid of Daniel Ricardo, but Motorsport 101 can't get rid of me. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Mm. Where why do I hear boss music? Where have I heard that voice before? <laughs> He's back. God help us all. Anyway, I'm Drake Harrison. Welcome to episode 391 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. And uh, oh boy, Formula One is back and it just had its soul snatched from right out underneath it by Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing. May the good Lord help us all. That was a shellacking, a beating, a beat him down. An unholy clobbering of the, of monumental proportions. My goodness, that was something. So much so, we had to call an emergency meeting and get the band back together. And I mean all four of us, because joining this as a guest, he's working from home. He's the world's biggest Tour de France Femmes fan in the world. And he does right occasionally for Jalopnik as well. It's Ryan Eric King, everybody. He's back. <laughs> whoa whoa thank you thank you i just like everyone to know that i am not the biggest tour de france femmes fan because uh valtteri botas showed up at every stage he i did, can't beat he? that yeah, yeah that, <laughs> to be fair that is a high bar to match but uh we will declare you the honorary number one fan anyway because we like you we'll, we'll go with that joining us as well rj o'connell good to see you buddy um, I got to see uh Nissan racing legend Tom Cruise in action recently at a drive-in mm. movie theater. This is my way of saying that I watched Top Gun Maverick. And while I will admit that the that basically the Top Gun franchise, it, it is blatant U.S. Department of Defense propaganda, but also playing go fast. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes it is just a matter of playing go fast. I was actually watching a clip from that movie on the way in towards Lords because I was doing stuff for my birthday. I was watching the cricket and like it was on Facebook. It's the clip of when Maverick's in the training exercise and he does that slalom, I think in two minutes fifteen. It's like I've never felt so badass in all of my life. And I was just watching him. I'm like, this just works. It's amazing. <laughs> this is like this is like Michael Schumacher winning that poll in Monaco in twenty twelve after that long layoff. Uh, which will become important because uh, apparently, as it turns out, you can get pole, but you can be honored with pole position even after a grid penalty. It's a technicality in the rule books, like many technicalities in many rule books. But there we go. It's like we kind of knew going into that, but uh, we'll get into that briefly. Also, Cam Buckley, how's it going, sir? Uh, it's going okay. I mean, it's just your standard weekend where NASCAR brings itself into disrepute. We we got to talk about this briefly, haven't we, in the intro segment? Because God, what the well, hell? What the hell was that at Daytona on Sunday? Um, you know, Dale looked down one more time and was like, "You know, I got to get the three car back to victory lane," and so dropped a rain shower in turn one at Daytona. NASCAR didn't throw the yellow despite half a lap of warning. They went off into turn one, and the entire field. Save about five cars crashed. Oh, for Pete's sake. What a way to start this event. Oh, and for man. some drivers, what a way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the one moment I love that I just keep listening back to here every time on the replay is when the cars start aqu aquaplating up into the safer bear. You just hear Junior in the booth just yell out, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that is we a actually, man who we, knows. We, we got to hear a couple of those because the previous day, every junior motorsports car got wiped out, and you could just hear the, the joy leave Dale Jr.'s voice in that moment. Oh, dear. But Austin Dillon made it, won the race, and he is the final man. So let me get this straight. We actually got 16 different winners in the regular season nope, this year. Nope, we, we got, got 15. 15. 15. 15. One, one away from a full set and two away from breaking the playoffs. So yeah. no, so we we did, in fact, have 16 different winners. It's just that Kurt Busch 
would through. Ah, yes, uh, of course. Yeah. Get soon, Kurt, as well. We know that uh, he's going to miss the playoffs now through due to the uh, brain injury he suffered. So do, uh, we, we, do, we all send our best to Kurt. And uh, we, hope, we hope he continues to make a full recovery. But yeah, Kurt pulled out and didn't, didn't snuck in through the back door on the final round. <laughs> so... Hang on, am I right? I'm not the biggest NASCAR guy, but I didn't watch Daytona because of all the rain delays and whatnot. So let me get this straight. Blaney just missed out? No, Blaney Blaney just got in. Yep. Scraped in over Truex. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. finished fourth in points this year, I do believe. Uh, Cannot, is legally barred from fighting for the championship. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) there there were large portions of the race where Truex was ahead of Blaney in the standings and was going to make it until that incident mm. well, yeah, well no, it's about five laps left um truex who had been carrying damage just started dropping and blaney ended up because he was a couple laps down it took him a few laps to pass all of the damaged cars from the rain crash yep and uh truex missed out by three points and in nascar every position is one point meaning that Truex missed out by three positions and you see them cross the line and you see the three cars in between them where it seemed like, yeah, if things just played out a bit differently, it w- the roles would have been reversed. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. What a mess. But that, that, that's a NASCAR for you. So, speaking of messes, the rest of the Belgian Grand Prix, we'll be talking a lot about that and talking about some of the news in the summer break as well. Of course, we have to talk about Max Verstappen, not Alex Bowman winning his ninth his ninth race win of the year. Right, we've had thirteen races. Max Verstappen has won nine, and this is get, this is getting out of hand. Everybody, this is getting ridiculous. And how he essentially completely dominated a race from fourteenth on the grid. We'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into arguably the biggest story of the of the, of the summer break: Daniel Ricciardo being bought out of his McLaren contract. It was becoming the worst kept secret in Formula One, but it finally happened a week out from the Belgian Grand Prix. We'll talk about that and the aftermath of that as well. We'll be talking about some power unit penalties because that's always fun when you get forty percent of the field started at the back through engine penalties. That's fun and Spa's future because hey, Spa's coming back next year. Yay! It's only for one more year. Oh. Mm. Not so sure about that one, Chief. But places you can find us in the meantime, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. I'd like to find out my personal handles and get, get with me here because this has been a while since I've said four names here. At Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at CBuckley917. You can follow us on Instagram for content updates at Motorsport101Pod. And of course, you can check all of that out on our website, Motorsport101.com, including all of our content on there as well as written reviews uh, from yours truly. So if you want even more thoughts from me on the Belgian Grand Prix, there's a piece up there on that one. I I also may have said some uh, not-so-nice things about Charles Leclerc's religious beliefs, if he has some. So give that a read if you haven't already. Cam, I, mean, I know Cam appreciated that one. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. Or and of course, Chuck. <laughs> and if you and if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. But you can get there early access, access to my Discord server, be able to listen to these shows live as they're being recorded as well. That's all on there for your enjoyment. So uh yeah, thanks for thanks for listening in. And after this, let's talk the Belgian Grand Prix. <laughs> We're back! <laughs> Formula One's back, everybody! Yay! Oh, God. <laughs> you know, that that floor, that, that technical directive that uh, was getting talked about on social media, that really hurt Red Bull, huh? Oh, 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 oh. Um, so, 40% of the field took a power unit penalty for the race, including the top two in the championship, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Verstappen, who set the fastest time in qualifying, but had to start all the way back in 14th on the grid. But even despite that, uh, the fastest time in Q3 set an ominous tone. And during the race, Verstappen took off. And by lap 18 and a 44-lap Belgian Grand Prix, he was in the lead of the race and didn't look back, winning by 18 seconds over his teammate Sergio Perez with your pole sitter, your pole starting driver, Carlos Sainz Jr., on the podium in third. 
On the other hand, Charles Leclerc struggled to fifth place after taking an extra stop to remove Max Verstappen's tear off from his brake cooling system. A late final stop for the fastest lap attempt went wrong with Fernando Alonso passed him on the alternate lap, on the penultimate lap. And on top of that, he was hit with a five second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane by one kilometer per hour due to an overheated sensor for the tear off. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Lewis Hamilton got launched skyward on the opening lap by Fernando Alonso. Um, so Belgian Grand Prix, it's done. It's dusted. We're done here. Title rise. Why? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, we'll King, start here. <laughs> King, uh, I, I welcome you back to the show with a question. Are you welcoming me back just to slander some Italians? Uh, first of all, first of all, you know me so well. <laughs> uh, I, I was more going to question, uh, how's your how's your preseason pick looking for the uh, these titles? I'm real bad. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know... All I'm saying is, who's mocking Mitch Evans now over here, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what all, King? What all? <laughs> Look, we've we've seen people win from outside the top ten before. It's not it's not super common, but it's also not impossible. Yeah, we're at the point where it's just like uh, Mercedes has to start at the back and they fight up to the podium. It's like it's cool, but it's not like the greatest sporting achievement ever. But to do it with the ease that Max did was absurd. He picked off five cars on lap one. He was third by lap eight. With the race being interrupted by a safety car due to Nicholas Latifi having a catastrophic skill issue into Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> um, he, he scared... Ferrari into pitting signs for the undercut on lap 12. Pitted himself, went and caught signs, and then was just never seen again. The, the, the race was academic by lap 18, and that's when he passed Carlos signs for the lead. And it it just, it, it you could hear the wind being sucked out of the room. It's like when Kevin Harlan used to say on NBA commentary, Tracy McGrady just sucked the gravity right out of the building. That's exactly what this was when Verstappen passed for the lead, because we all just knew right there and then that it was over. <laughs> we just, like, that was it. It, it, it was completely academic what was going to happen next. And, to go from 14th on the grid to leading the race in, in 18 laps and then beating his teammate, who's in a very, very quick car, and Sergio Perez is by no means a scrub, to beat him by 18 seconds over the course of 26 laps of racing afterwards. That is Perez a complete... who started outside front row. Yeah. And, and again, he started 14th, Perez started on the front row, and he botched his start horrendously. Don't get me wrong. Perez had an awful race by his standards and still finished in second, which goes to show you just how much of a beating this was by Red Bull in general. But for Verstappen, he's on a different plane of existence. This was an ultra on the beat-em-down scale. This was an unholy clobbering. He's made the rest of the field look silly. I can't think of a time in... I can't think of a time in watching F1, and I've been actively watching since 05, Mm. Where someone has started that low, like 14th, 15th place, and they were still unanimous favorite to win. I've been watching for 20 years, uh, and I, I mentioned this story in my race review that I, as you guys mean, if you're new to the show, you, you may not know me that well. I run a betting shop full time as my full time job. Um, out of curiosity, because I was working on Sunday morning. I went into my shop's computer and searched up the race odds, just, just out of curiosity. And I was like, I wonder if Max is like maybe four or five to one. I think, you know, maybe put a few quid on a podium finish if everything goes to plan. He was the 13 to eight favorite from 14th <laughs> on the grid. He was less than two to one. I, usually when we see someone win from that far down, like it's it's considered like, this insane, impressive drive and a surprise. This was just like, yeah, he's, he's going to win. It's George like- Russell, George Russell after qualifying is like, yeah, he's going to win easy from there. 
It's like when, like, it's it's like the polar opposite to say, like, when Fernando Alonso won at Valencia in 2012 when he won from 11th on the grid and we all lost our collective shit. Like, like Verstappen won from 14th comfortably, made it look easy, and we were all just like, oh, that's a shit, isn't it? What a terrible race that was. <laughs> like, it's boring, dreadful. Five out of ten. Definitely questioning the future of the Belgian Grand Prix at this stage. I think Max Verstappen's uh, going to reset the record for most wins in a season. He's got enough time. He's got he's, enough races. He is. Uh, a member of our Discord server, Sid, uh, did the math on this. He is currently 22 points ahead on pace of beating Lewis's points record from 2019. He's almost a race ahead of the curve to beat that record. That is, that's know, opening, uh, And that's opening the year with two retirements and three races. Yeah, for, for added context, the all-time record for wins in a season is jointly held. I think Sebastian Vettel owns half of it at 13 in 2013. I think it was 2013 he won 13 in, yes. in that season. Including and, nine in a row to end it. Yeah, and uh, Max is on nine, and we have eight races to go. If He, he, if he only needs a 50% clip from here to tie the record. And he could probably do it. He could clinch he, the championship at Suzuka, finally. A Honda Championship clinched at Suzuka. Who would have ever guessed? <laughs> they have a real knack for that, don't they? I mean, that that, that floor technical directive really pegged Red Bull back, huh, George? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the qualifying lap. It was not pull because of the engine penalty, but this was so reminiscent of Red Bull's glory days it was like a repeat of Singapore 2013. Max dropped a lap on everyone's heads, dropped the microphone, and walked away. He needed one lap to put se- nearly seven tenths on the field. Absolutely bonkers stuff. I mean, King, you were probably watching from the side. What did you make of it all? Oh, man. It, it felt like... Verstappen was the impending storm. There was no stopping this dude. <laughs> he was gonna win. Like someone would ha- would have had to take him out for him not to yeah, win yeah. that race. He was gonna win, or something outside his control was gonna was gonna take him out of the race. I mean, this was the RB eighteen was sublime here. It was able to generate ridiculous pace in all three sectors. And keep its tires alive longer than any other car on the grid. I'm watching the montage they put back together, and like he got a freebie because Pierre Gasly started from the pit lane, but he's past three cars by the time they they get to the rundown Al Rouge. I say, and he had a suboptimal lap one uh, due to reasons I suppose we can get into in a moment. Um, mainly Lance Stroll rejoining directly in front of him, mm. but. To watch that car through Sector 2, was it was almost W11-esque. The change of direction, while being just on rails stable through Sector 2, because normally the, cor- the corners is where Ferrari has ruled this year. And, for- and Red Bull was clubbing them in all three sectors. Max passed most of his way up to third without DRS, just on raw speed. And that's yeah. the other thing, like, DRS passes, especially down the Kemmel Strait, nowadays are just, like, they're the most automatic thing in Formula One, other than Ferrari being a comedy show every every race week. Yeah, mm. I mean, when he did have DRS, he drove by Fernando Alonso like Alonso had six blown pistons. And that, was, and that was the only car he passed with DRS. Yeah, he was, he was past him halfway down the Kemmel, and the Alpines were, if nothing else, bad, fast, in a straight line all weekend. It's and let's talk a bit about Ferrari on the other side of that coin for a minute here because I mean, oh, this is the part where we get to talk about the tear off from God, (laughs) the the, the tear off from the angel Gabriel who decided Charles Leclerc has not suffered enough in the eyes of the Lord and felt like, you know what, let's have Max Verstappen's lap one tear off land in Charles Leclerc's brake cooling system like fucking Mario Kart 8 had a, and a I banana I was going to say, peel. Max Verstappen, bro, I, 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 he might be almost as good at Mario Kart than as I am. 
<laughs> you humble motherfucker. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, like on the record, folks, Cam Buckley kicks my ass at Mario Kart every time I play him. It's the worst. But I, um, I, I, I accidentally taught Cam Buckley the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe build meta once. <laughs> yeah, I, he... I was just trying to share resources for other people, and then I realized, <laughs> oh no, I've accidentally overleveled somebody. It's like when Lewis Hamilton shared that telemetry data. <laughs> oh, the tear... anniversary. So the the the, the tear off from God. And Charles Leclerc was just slow once he was in open air. Anyway, I mean, he was passed by George Russell easily in race trim. I mean, George again continuing to do the work. Um, no, no, I think we should clarify. It was there was no malicious intent, like Cam no, said. Of course, as as Verstappen was going into into Savlo, uh, Stroll rejoins right in front of him. Verstappen and the Red Bull get showered in gravel and dust. Like the camera gets blurred for a for like a good minute or two. Mm. But as he starts to run down the Blanchimont, he rips the tear off. He stretches his arm out, and then he just lets go. <laughs> and of like you could do that again ten thousand times. It would not have landed directly in Charles Leclerc's okay. brake cooling system. That's what just are that's gentle. Look at me, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! <laughs> oh, it's 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 dreadful luck in a sense, and it just kind of sums up Charles Leclerc's season more than anything else. I mean, yeah, P. It would have been P five. It ended up being P six after the time penalty, oh, which again, God. a result of the sensor that had overheated from that tear off. So in, in, instead of it being a potential plus one for a fastest lap attempt. Which, by the way, Charles was six tenths of a second slower than he ends up losing two points because he lost the position to do it. I, just, I mean, oh. yeah, Ma- Max Verstappen with about twelve laps left of fuel on used mediums set a lap that Charles on brand new softs on no fuel could not match, couldn't even come close to. This wasn't even like oh Ferrari oh. threw away. Oh, by the, the race. way, they were just. By the way. Yeah. Mm. To that effect, Charles also had DRS and a toe up the camel from Fernando Alonso. They can do nothing today. Like, yeah, we were talking about like, I don't know if like Mercedes, Mercedes didn't benefit from the technical directive. Red Bull certainly didn't get nerfed, but it feels like Ferrari just. uh, Yeah, the Ferraris was badly porpoising pretty much all weekend. And to that effect, Red Bull, if anything, looked this is the best that Red Bull has looked. God, since like 2011. Yeah. That was yeah. unbelievable. I, I, yeah. I got the outlap times, right? Mm. Because again, it's the uh, one of the secrets with this Red Bull and why it's so good is the way it works. The tires just right that it gets them going, but it does not burn through them. Best outlap times Mercedes 205-447. Ferrari 206. 206- Zero zero five, Red Bull two oh three six six four. That is astonishing how quick they can switch that on. Two point three seconds quicker on an outlap versus a Ferrari. Good grief! Absolute shellacking. Horner said after the race, it was uh, he said it was on the level of something from twenty eleven or thirteen. Is what he basically said. Like, he doesn't care about ten millimeters. <sighs> <laughs> Neither does his wife, apparently. So good for him, I say. Um, it's not the size that matters; it's how you use it. <laughs> <laughs> God help us! We are not going to descend ourselves to dick jokes here. We are going to move on and talk about McLaren. Oh God! That's right, folks. Uh, we were waiting for this shoe to drop. The shoe, of course, is uh, it's dirty. It's it's crusty. It, it smells of champagne. Daniel Ricardo is leaving McLaren at the end of this season. He is officially being brought out of his McLaren contract a year before it is set to end. This was seemingly inevitable after the Oscar Piastri versus Alpine contract dispute. Uh, Ricardo will be a free agent at the end of the season with no plans announced regarding his future, but talks remain strong that Alpine, former Renault, could take him back for 2023, just a couple of years after Ricardo left them. So I, I think we're 
I want to say we're all in agreement that like when it comes to Daniel Ricardo McLaren, that like, yes, he underperformed massively, but did not deserve to be, I guess, I guess they could have handled this split better from where we're sitting. I don't think there's anyone in the room that doesn't share a little bit of the blame here. Mm. And I'd say in terms of handling it better, uh, I think from McLaren's side, handling it better in terms of how they let Ricardo go, they couldn't have handled it any better. From getting a replacement actually ready, that's where the they couldn't have handled are. it worse. <laughs> yeah, because mm, mm. they they gave Ricardo options to stay within the organization, but race elsewhere. Uh, like the buyout was the last option. Yeah. I mean, what what got me was in they they were on Thursday they were interviewing Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton during the press conferences on on Thursday and they both said very similar tunes where I was like, I love that they said that McLaren didn't extract Ricardo's potential more than Ricardo underperformed because they know what it's like to compete against him and they know how good Ricardo is and. For me, don't get me wrong, this was an untenable situation. Ricardo had absolutely underperformed. Um, you know, Lando Norris is clearly the leader of that team now. He is a I think, in my opinion, a, a, a top five or six driver in the sport now. And you expected Ricardo to at least get close to him, and he never did, and that's unfortunate. Um <clears throat> but I would also say on top of that, I don't think people I think people need to be a bit more critical of the McLaren environment right now and realizing that this is not even the team it was two years ago when they were regularly challenging for podiums and were third in the championship. This isn't even the team that it was last year where yes, Ricardo was, uh, you know, not sharing the lion's share of points was losing all the head to head figures. But one important thing that he did do. And the one thing that probably could have justified him staying another year was he ended the team's nine year losing streak in a one-two finish at by winning the Italian Grand Prix. Here's here's the thing though with with all that. It, it feels like no matter it, it doesn't matter how much you're getting out of that McLaren at this point, because you're trying to get blood from a stone. Mm. They are not good. They're gonna continue to be not good until they can get their new wind tunnel going and really reap the benefits of their the recent, you know, big technical restructure from a couple of years ago, but you know, this was the opportunity this year. This was the the big regulation shakeup, and increasingly this year, they they've begun kind of slowly falling back to their their crater of about you know 2018 when we realized maybe it wasn't all Honda's fault. Best chassis in Formula One. Best chassis. A chassis so good. <laughs> a chassis so exceptional. That it took Fernando Alonso dragging everything he had left to merely get it to minor points. The car that was better when it was uh, its floor was ground down and damaged in uh, Baku that year, by the way. Mm. Um, it. I have they to look true. at this mm. and I have to think whoever goes there is probably like, like no matter who you are coming into that seat. It's going to take some doing to beat Norris. Yeah. And even then, if you're Lando Norris, you better hope that that wind tunnel is a silver bullet. Yeah. Because McLaren are, McLaren's ceiling right now is an increasingly distant fifth now because yeah. Alpine are leaving them in the dust. Yeah. Alpine are genuine the best of the rest right now. And like, <laughs> McLaren are the fifth best team in the sport right now, and that's arguably two spots down on where they should be at the moment. And this is a team that has largely spun its wheels for a decade now, and yet people still give McLaren the benefit of the doubt because of the McLaren brand, and they've got a very dedicated set of fans, I will admit that, but... Like, I'd say some of those fans aren't happy because mm. I like Danny Ricardo, but his fans uh, are sowing civil unrest on social media over their driver potentially not being in the sport any longer. 
King the phrase. No, oh, that was that was the new version of the phrase. No, <laughs> that was no, the, no, oh, no. We, we, has the phrase been scrubbed from the internet for fear of civil unrest? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to end up like a certain uh, a certain set of hosts on a on a recently launched F one podcast. <clears throat> it just feels like it feels like, and, and this has been the case really since twenty thirteen that McLaren is a pit yes it's and, a pit and and they've been spinning their wheels they've been roughly the same team for about 10 years now like we we evaluate mclaren in the context of major championships and they have not come anywhere close to a title challenge since 2012 and it's embarrassing at this point, and, and yep. I'm I'm sorry that yeah, Ricardo. I understand them cutting Ricardo because yeah, he has underperformed. They're not disputing that, but this is the team that was meant to be taking the big leap forward. This is the team that sold off a third of itself to raise more cash to challenge the big boys. This is the oh, team they've that got, they've got cash. To, uh, I know things are going weird on the uh, on the automotive side, but they got cash to buy that contract. Yeah, this so. is the team that was pushing yep. for a $100 million cost cap because they thought that'll get them over the top. This is the team that was flirting with half a dozen IndyCar drivers mere weeks ago and then settled for Oscar Piastri. Like, what is good coming out of the McLaren camp at the moment? Like honestly, and, and, and ironically, no. sorry, sorry to cut you, King. The the IndyCar driver who had probably has the best chance of now getting into Formula One is Colton Herta via AlphaTauri. Yeah, and he's nowhere. He's he's out of championship contention at this stage of the game. And mm. and honestly, we were we were all shocked that Lando Norris signed a long term deal to stay at McLaren, but free is conveniently. His contract expires at the end of the 2025 season, just before the new regulations come into effect the next year. Mm. And a certain manufacturer joining the grid. It would be the perfect opportunity for a then veteran, a uh, future veteran, Lando Norris, to jump ship. You mean that, hmm. uh, that manufacturer that just announced their entry that also uh, was turned down by McLaren? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Audi? Hmm? Funny how that works. Uh, yeah, oh, Audi. Yes. Uh, Audi's joining Formula One. Uh, supporter of the show, uh, Sasha, has been helicoptering violently for a week now. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we're we're finally getting s- the Sauber Audi partnership. We call that Saudi. Wait. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Pump the brakes on that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, it just Albert? feels like. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, Albert. We'll go, we'll go with that. Oh, but. <sighs> It, it just feels like there nothing at the end of the day it, it feels like the Ricardo Ricardo leaving Red Bull hasn't worked out for anyone other than Red Bull yeah and, and it every, really, everything and it else has been a, for Red Bull mm. everything else has been a trail of destruction I mean I mean think about it like Ricardo goes to Renault Alpine that doesn't work out because Alpine are behind schedule on the development plan. He goes to McLaren. It's not a good fit for him. Meanwhile, Red Bull is just, they're bringing in very talented prospects, but some who are clearly not ready at that point in time in their careers, Gasly and Albon respectively. Um, and only now no, no, we're, we're forgetting the third leg of this three-way trade. Carlos Sainz Jr., who got traded Renault to McLaren and then abruptly left McLaren to go to Ferrari. And I remember at the time, most of most people, including some of us on the show, were like, I don't know about that move. <laughs> mm. well, <laughs> uh, the, the, they might be even worse operationally, but the car's a whole lot better. Yep. That always um, helps. Man, uh, it just... But then at the same time, you look at McLaren and what has McLaren gotten out of any driver other than Lando Norris? They got next to nothing out of Ricardo besides the win. Uh, Stoffel Van Dorn spent two years in F1 for a cup of coffee, a complete slaughtering by Alonso. Mm-hmm. Alonso wasted a 
God, what, four seasons of his career in backmarker cars? Yeah, Jensen Button did the same. Carlos Sainz Jr. turned out all right. It's him and Norris, but that bromance... But he left. That's yeah. the point, is that he, yeah. he, 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 they hit McLaren's ceiling. He, you know, by all inti- for all intents and purposes, did beat Lando two years running and then went up to Ferrari to uh, suffer. Well, he's still ahead of the champion. He's still ahead of Lando in the championship. Be, it would be year. real hard to not be given how the McLaren <laughs> yeah. is this year. McLaren did not get it right this year. Um, I, I hope things are better next year. Certainly hope they will be better in 2024. McLaren I, are not equipped to fix issues with their car for at least another two years. That's, that's a just, problem. That's They're, just the situation that McLaren's technical department is in. It's still a, out- it's still a more attractive seat than let's say you know Aston Martin at this. The stage. bar is currently resting in a green corner of hell. <laughs> but, and oh, by the way, RJ, yeah, that Aston Martin, Vettel got it to eighth on Sunday. The McLarens sank like a rock and didn't even get in the points. Yeah, Norris complained his DRS wing was was too small, basically, and that yeah that they were so bit- slow in a straight line they couldn't defend and they sure as hell couldn't pass. McLaren's pace this year has just been so up and down. It's like Haas is the only team that can compete with them in terms of like blowing white hot or just deep freeze cold. I'm I'm just convinced that Haas doesn't know what upgrade means because every time they put an upgrade on their car since 2018, it makes the car worse. Uh, Before we move on, uh, where do we think Ricardo ends up next year? Is it Alpine? Is it Haas? Is it NASCAR? Is it IndyCar? Or is it what's inside this box? Well, he's been blunt. He said if he doesn't get into F1 next year, well, if he doesn't stay in F1 next year, he's taking a sabbatical. Because he thinks if he doesn't race anywhere else, he'd get into F1 the year afterwards. So what you're saying, he's going to the track house number 91 Chevy Camaro. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I... Obviously, there are a lot of different variables. I think most likely landing spot for him is Alpine. But Agreed. I, I think it's the direction that Alpine want to go at that second seat going forward. Because uh, if he signs a deal with Alpine, it'll most likely be his last contract in Formula One because he's past 30 now. And mm-hmm. it's just a stopgap stop, stop measure until the next Alpine driver is ready. Uh, if they go with the other option, who it could be in that seat, Pierre Gasly, that's a long-term commitment. That's someone that they're going to be with for a while. Yeah, and I mean, where else? Ricardo really doesn't have anywhere else to go at that point. Mm. Apparently, Haas might be sniffing. Uh... There, there's ums and ahs about Mick Schumacher's future. Well, if uh, if that's if that's where Ricardo wants to go, um, good luck to him. Shame. <laughs> yeah, good luck to him on that one. Now, I, I don't know. I think that puts him in the back door for when Eric Almarola eventually steps away from NASCAR. <laughs> eventually, any of these years, doing the <laughs> during the Mark Martin retirement tour the first time. Yeah, it's <laughs> like as as much as you know. Daniel Ricardo has shown fondness towards NASCAR and the United States. I don't think I don't see him spending thirty six weeks a year here. No, that's that, that sounds a bit much. Um, so uh, moving on quickly, and this is a this is a small one. Like, is there a case of secondhand embarrassment regarding power units? Because as mentioned at the top of the show, eight drivers over the course of the weekend took a power unit penalty of some kind. It was almost like there was a gentleman's agreement. Amongst the few, okay, lads, do you, do, you, do, you, do you want to take this power unit penalty here? All, all those in favor say aye. Aye. <laughs> all those oppose, me. I think the eyes have it. Um, and uh, we had eight guys on the back of the field jumbled around, including Verstappen and Leclerc, taking p- power unit penalties. So is this a case of just secondhand embarrassment or should there be a better way of doing this? Because a lot of people want, were calling for changes to the system regarding how this, well, was I think there's, there, there's an important side piece to this and it's centered around the, what is now uh, what's going to be after this month, the truly frozen formula one power units until the next set of regulations. Mm. The reason why Charles uh, took a penalty and we don't have a confirmation on Max's side, but Honda is going to need to do the same thing 
on uh, at least one of the four cars. The ERS systems, the control electronics, the batteries, and the uh, MGUs were not homologated until this month. You could still mm. do one upgrade, and then that's it. Then you are locked in until uh, the end of 2025. Ferrari introduced their new one this weekend, and uh, <laughs> but well. good it did. <laughs> um, so that is the reason why we had the amount of power unit penalties that we did. And also the fact that uh, Alpine just, Renault just can't build a reliable power unit. It's yeah, like the, their biggest limiting factor at this point, because otherwise the car is good enough to be far and away the fourth best in F1. Mm-hmm. I don't think these penalties, I don't think the wave of penalties really had any positive or negative impact of the race. Ultimately, Verstappen still won, as expected. Charles Leclerc did great, but not excellent, which was about as expected. Everyone kind of just got back to where they were going to get to. Um, As as we kind of talked about with how Verstappen cut through the field, with the the reduction in dirty air, if you've got the pace, you can get through the field. And, I mean, the only car that really couldn't was, in this case, was uh, Norris because the McLaren was just so shit slow in a straight line. And because, uh, well, Valtteri Bottas got blown up by Nicholas Latifi after Lake Home after uh, a couple of laps of running green. I don't, I don't particularly, like, get completely bent out of shape about edge penalties in the sport. But, Dre, you, you had an idea, a suggestion for maybe there could be a better way Maybe. I mean, it's not so relevant now because I think we're largely gone from the days of maybe like 2018 where like Stoffel Van Dorn, 65 place grid penalty. And oh, I'm just now like, that's funny. You know, and you know, it, it made for great graphics and, you know, great Never future. forget McLaren Honda 2015 and the 105 place penalty of Belgium. <laughs> oh, baby. They'll, they'll be starting the race from Zandvoort. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a great joke format by the time. I think it, it's due a comeback. It, it, it's due a comeback, but. I liked what Formula E did, where if penalty spots were left over, they converted it into an in-race penalty to really hit the car where it hurt. Um, like, for example, I think it happened in um, New York this season when Nick Cassidy had that penalty he had to take in um, race two. And they, I think he had to do a drive-through penalty in the race itself, as well as start from the back. Yeah. Um, because I think it was 35 places, I think it was, or something like that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that in Formula 1, because, I mean, look, starting from the back is not the penalty you think it is, especially if we're in a sporting climate where four or five people can take a penalty in the same weekend. Yeah. However, I will also put an asterisk on my own point and say, I don't think we're at that sort of extremes that we were in half a decade ago when they were taking penalties like M&M's. Yeah. Um, so this is just kind of like a freak one-off incident but every time we have discourse about power uh power unit penalties this always comes up well i i think it's largely down to the fact that uh most casual viewers don't really understand how it works and why people get penalties and how it aligns when multiple people get penalties i think i think it works best when it's out of sight of the casual fan behind the scenes. Like I, I mm. think that it would be, it'd probably work out best. I think I mentioned on the show, like, like years ago, I think the best, best option would be say rip a page out of IndyCar's book, where if there's a penalty like that, uh, there would be a points deduction in the constructors championship because obviously mm. it means a lot to the teams because that's how the prize money is given out. And it would, it would make people hesitate about, you know, taking a penalty or not. And for the most part, it would keep the races unaffected. That's fair. I'd be completely fine with that. Like it would reward the teams that make reliable power units rather than just saying, ah, well, sod it. We'll take, we'll take a bad race. And if the added extra component of everything into our general pool, I I mean, and the fact that it would be, confined to just the constructors championship because it's an aspect of the sport that only affects the constructors mm, mm. and it's the team's call not the driver's call 
yeah. the end of the day. You know, so yeah, I'd I'd be all for that. Um, as opposed to what we have now, um, there'd be outrage from the teams, but that normally means it's a good idea. Well, yeah, because um, it, it, because it's fucking with their money. Yeah. Although I will say it's a better suggestion than just straight up directly finding the teams, especially now that we're in a sour cap era. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know. You lose. Uh, you lose a couple mil off the salary cap every time you take a new power unit. Oh my god. Jesus. Which is funny because power unit development doesn't even come under the, 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 the salary exactly. cap as it is. That's why it's, just, that's why it's an even more cursed idea. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, there's some interesting ideas for us. Right, before so, we get out of here, yeah, let's talk a bit about Spa itself. We got the confirmation on Sunday morning. Spa will return for next year. There have been a lot of rumors that it, this might be the last Belgian Grand Prix of modern times. It will not. It will be on the calendar for next year. But there was also a lot of murmurs that that's probably not a particularly good sign if it's only a one-year deal. One-year deals never inspire confidence in any sport. Yeah. <laughs> Rather, you know, so we're going, okay. yeah. Yeah, because it offers the chance to renegotiate and things don't play out well because last week we had, obviously, everyone coming back from the summer break and a certain Formula One CEO, Stefano Domenicali, had a lot to say mm. and uh he also confirmed that next year the french grand prix won't be on the calendar and yeah. the french grand prix put out a statement saying that that they confirming that they won't be on next year's calendar but also that they hope to return on a rotational basis it's like oh which is the first real public acknowledgement, because this has been an idea that's been floated around by the internet a couple of times. I mean, around. we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, rotating and calendars. I remember Chainbed did a great video talking about it last year, about the possibility of maybe having 20 races, but maybe four or five rotational slots on the calendar every year to get multiple rounds in. Um, now... Where do you guys sit at with Spa? And like, I mean, one-year deals generally scream to me as bad vibes. I don't know how no. you guys feel about that, but so like the immediately connecting the dots when Spa gets a one-year deal that they'll be on next year's calendar, and that's it. And France gets left off with the promise of they could come back on a rotational basis. That immediately tells you something about those two races specifically. Hmm. So. So, there's uh, so Spa, do you mind uh, swapping out with France every other year? <laughs> oh my god. Personally, uh, I don't acknowledge any any Formula 1 championship without Spa-Francorchamps on the uh on the calendar as the pinnacle you, of motorsport. You don't recognize 2003 or 2006? It's been nope. off the calendar in our lifetimes. Nope. I don't recognize them. Fuck them. <laughs> well, are you that guy that uploads all those old Kimi Raikkonen videos on YouTube? Is that it? Uh <laughs> I might be. <laughs> but, look, that, uh, look, that opening stint at Monaco 05 was that good. Everyone it, should go watch it. It is. It's, it's true. But no, I was going to say that, I mean, if the governments are ultimately cool with it, because let's be honest, they're the ones that are funding these Grand Prix most of the time. Hi, Britain. Um, <laughs> um, then I, fine, I guess, you know, because look, We've spoken about the potential crunch of this calendar many times already. We are already close to breaking point here. I mean, I believe the Concord Agreement limit is 24. I was thinking, well, Qatar is confirmed to come back next year. China is confirmed to come back next year. That would put us at 24. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a feeling that something would have to have made way. And obviously, we got the confirmation a couple of weeks ago now that France is not coming back. So that puts us back at 23 which is what this season was originally going to be before the war in Ukraine broke out. Yeah, and um, they already confirmed Russia is not coming back ever. Yeah, we are never racing in Russia again. So <clears throat> we have 23 rounds now as it stands. There's still, you know, rumors of places like Kailami coming in, but maybe not yet, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like the last I'd heard is like, Kailami is like, it's guaranteed a date in the future. It's just not going to happen next year, but it's going to happen sometime soon. I just wish it didn't have to come down to like, do you want to race at Spa or do you want to race at Kiyolami? Why mm, does that a, have to be the choice? Why not just a, both? Because be an incredibly we don't short have unlimited weeks in a year. Yeah. 
Ugh. And yeah, the deciding factor between one venue or another, despite anything Stefano Domenicali might say about, uh, you know, uh, other values other than financial of Formula One, it's financial values. It's what you bring the sport financially. And yeah. anytime this happens, the reason why spies have been left out before is to pressure uh, the government of Wallonia in Belgium to fund this race. It's literally a holding a country's government well part of a country's government hostage how many right. years was this supposed how many years were we supposed to be seeing the last italian grand prix at monza or the last british grand prix at silverstone it's, every it's year for the last that. decade yeah and somehow they find a way to uh keep it keep it afloat you know i mean wait i mean heaven's sake zanfort came back to the calendar in the year of our luigi 2021 yeah because they got funding from the dutch government like i funny that like <laughs> it's Putting the pinch on taxpayers is not cool. No, it's not, and that's it's 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 a it's a fuck you move to the country's people. It's not like yeah, it's nice to have a Grand Prix, but it's it's a luxury. It's not something that you necessarily would want to put your tax dollars towards. I mean, it's it, it's not ideal, and it's probably even worse for Spa because they've just spent a ton of money renovating the place. Because they want I'll to tell put, you, they want to host bike the, races. The new well. facility, the improved facilities, they worked. They're, they're nice, they're good, they're great. But you know, like it's 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 a bit like having your purse stolen without realizing your house is on fire. Like trying to twerk from for MotoGP, and then at the yeah. same time, you're about to lose your F1 race, which is by far your biggest money maker. Like it's because because I get the point where everyone wants to have a Grand Prix now, but the fact that. Uh, Venues that have been hosting Grand Prix racing decades before Formula One even existed, continually, also continually making investments to make sure that their facilities continue to be up to date and continue to sell out mm. are at threat of being dropped. Just because some uh, random, uh, some random casino commission in Southern Nevada or some oil rich state in the Middle East can th throw up you know fees 10 times the amount did you so, see the uh, the last the newest las vegas grand prix promo where they're just like hmm i'm almost at the end of the straight let me press the throttle a little bit harder doing that <laughs> shit you see in the movies this yeah, is my favorite that, now that's fuel saving yeah this <laughs> is my favorite uh thing about the my, one of my favorite romantic comedies the 2001 film driven <laughs> oh man <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was gonna say as well. On top of that, I was like, "King, you telling me you're not God. interested in the in the one hundred and twenty thousand dollar VIP package for Vegas next year?" So, like, oh God, that like is... I still remember. Like, it feels it was probably like a decade ago now. Back when, uh, like the international TV deals for the Premier League really took off, and mm. talks about game 38 having an international round of the premier league because of how profitable it would be sure. that's it's just formula that. one as a sport this is yeah it's more like, or less i know you mentioned on a discord before king that miami which a lot of people did not like how expensive that grand prix got very very quickly without realizing Formula One made all the money on that because they were the ones who were the promoter for the race. Yeah, and despite how ludicrously expensive the tickets were, they sold out. Because, they sold out. People paid because, them. Because, yeah, it's an event. It, like, it's it's uh, an, an uber-wealthy social event to go to. Like, it's Formula One is the in thing right now. Yeah, it's like... It's but like if, they, if they keep copying me those packages, I will be glad to get a slice of my life every time. <laughs> Yeah, I get to hang out with Tom Brady and David Beckham. What's not to love? <laughs> you know, so... I didn't even recognize Brady when he was there. I mean, this is... This, this is the way the sport is going. It, it, it wants its high-profile rounds, and you see the pattern. Bahrain got 15 years. Saudi Arabia got 15 years. Qatar got 10 years. Even Australia got five years, even though it essentially got demoted from being season opener stars, because that's, that's going to be rotational for them now, because they, they seem to like Bahrain as an opener, which makes sense. It's a good track. That oil-rich Gulf state, Australia. Of, of course. Yeah, but I, I 
I see what F1's doing and how it's for the financial health of the sport, but you don't want to be in a position a decade, two decades from now when things are going downhill and we're all trying to uh, revive the the ruined remains of Spa like it's like it's North Wilkesboro. Yeah. I just took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking, right, you don't want to get into a position where like you're threatening to pull Darlington from the calendar. Yeah. yeah. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Poppy. <laughs> they yeah. almost did. And I know. We said it before. I think the sport needs to do more to protect its historic venues. That's your staple. That's your bread and butter. Don't get me wrong. I get that there's always room for a flashy street circuit race in a fancy area like a Miami. But the core of your audience and the core of what your sport is, is in your bona fide road courses that you know has has been the staple of your sport for for 70 years and i hope the sport doesn't lose sight of that despite its growth in certain places and yeah it's great that the sport is growing it's great that the the sport's got a bit of buzz that it hasn't had in, in in many many years but you know i don't see what good comes from making spa a bi-yearly event or yeah. the fact that the home of Grand Prix race in France is going to be a bi-yearly event. No one wins in that sort of scenario. I mean, could we- you imagine just like the 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 UK, the British Open and golf being a bi-annual event? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, imagine being like- the, the Masters is a bi-annual event only. A tradition, yeah, it, it, unlike it's- any other. <laughs> <laughs> a tradition once every other year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like boom periods by their very nature don't last forever and you need to make sure you have a safety net when that time ends ask a sports car racing fan oh oh. (laughs) Oh, i feel personally attacked i mean well well, look there's nothing more traditional in f1 than chasing the money damn all the consequences indeed but uh yeah good luck to spa and good luck to the growing calendar because it's gonna need it but uh That'll just about do it for this week's Motorsport 101. We have a triple header next week on on this here network. We have Formula One from Max Verstappen's 14th home Grand Prix at Zandvoort. Um, Expect orange, flares, and maybe Verstappen going double digits on the year. God help us all. Look, look, this entire previous weekend was one long Mortal Kombat Kombat fatality. They have Mm. nothing left. He already pulled their spine out, man. He'll find a way. Uh, We also have MotoGP's second Italian Grand Prix, the Grand Prix of Misano, um, this this coming up weekend. And congratulations to Enea Bastianini, your new Ducati factory rider for next year. We'll talk about that on next week's show, of course. And hey, who knows? He might win next week. He might finish 11th. It's the GP21 way. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. And also, hopefully, we're going to have to talk about how terrible KTM have been for two two rounds in a row. Isn't that right, King? Uh, uh, this, this is the part where I leave. <laughs> no, nope, you stay here and you take your L. You, you take your pain like a man. Um, but uh, we'll also have... The IndyCar Grand Prix of Portland this weekend, which Ryan Eric King will be going to. So say hi to him if you're in the area for that. Uh, Check that out. Some of our friends from the M101 Discord world will be out there as well. Do say hi. Uh, They'll be out there in Portland this weekend. So there'll be three episodes coming next I heard there's going to be a special trophy presentation in Portland. Uh, More on that later. Outside of my knowledge, I claim no responsibility. Please don't blacklist me, certain manufacturer. <clears throat> don't, don't worry. We we have our, our friend of the show, Zoe Hamilton, taking one for the team on that one. We'll, we'll be fine. All, all I will say is it's an animal of a certain colored variety that um, may or may not be distributed early because we are so adamant about the results of one of our upcoming Motorsport 101 awards that we have had no choice but to craft an actual trophy. More on that later in the year. That's all I will say for now. But oh yes. man, we're giving out a physical Scotty this year. Yep. Oh, chief! <laughs> oh, yep. nail an overtake of your own, and you'll get one free Scotty McLaughlin. <laughs> 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 coming soon to an episode of bus bros near you but uh basically you can find us real quick we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 facebook same address twitter at motorsport um underscore 101 at harrison 101 hd at rj o'connell at ryan eric king at c buckley 917 website motorsport 101.com even more thoughts 
um, on Spa, come, um, on the website, and there'll be a, a couple of extra written pieces on there this week as well. I've, I've been very busy this week on writing some stuff, so check that out when you get a chance. It's a fun time, and of course, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Until next time, enjoy Max Verstappen's Mortal Kombat fatality. I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. When a Red Bull driver sets one Q3 lap and climbs out of the car, be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> like, what? Who's who's ever been scared of Sergio Perez? Well, Esteban Ocon. I can, I can pick up some Italian pizzerias. Not Domino's, by the way. <laughs> oh, they got out of there while they could. Oh and, oh, and Italy, they won't even entertain the idea of Papa John Schnatter showing up in their backyard. Yeah, he's going to be hanging upside down from a gas station if he shows up there. 